Nursing homes have been some of the hardest hit facilities by COVID-19, accounting for 40% of Oklahoma's coronavirus deaths. Over the past several months, state inspectors conducting surveys focused on infection control because of the pandemic have cited nursing homes and assisted living facilities for bad practices, such as failing to require residents and staff to wear face coverings, allowing infected staff to care for residents, and failing to properly quarantine at-risk residents. However, none of these facilities were fined, and some advocates say the state needs to do more to hold nursing homes accountable. For The Frontier, I'm Ben Felder, and on this week's episode of Listen Frontier, I speak with The Frontier's Cassie McClung about her recent story on nursing home inspections and what was found in facilities across the state. So Cassie, you know, one of the big themes during this COVID-19 pandemic has been the impact to nursing homes and and assisted living facilities. No one and no institution has really been spared. I mean, we've seen the pandemic's impact businesses and churches and schools, but nursing homes, because of the, you know, the vulnerable population they serve, have been especially hit hard. And you've looked at health inspectors who have cited a one in seven Oklahoma nursing homes and assisted living facilities for violations that could lead to viral spread. So while nursing homes are maybe ripe for to be impacted by COVID-19, some maybe aren't doing everything they could, at least according to health inspectors, when it comes to combating the pandemic, right? Right, exactly. So most homes um, that I've looked at, so I looked at the nursing homes, the assisted living facilities that I had at least one confirmed case of COVID-19. So throughout this pandemic, and especially early on in the early stages um, in March, April, there was a big focus on viral spread of nursing homes because, um, you know, the majority of people in nursing homes uh, they, they're in that high-risk group for serious symptoms or death. They're over 65. Uh, almost all of them have some kind of underlying health condition. They're living in closed spaces. So it's a, it's a very vulnerable population when it comes to bad outcomes for COVID-19. So a couple of examples I'll um, go through for the violations. Most homes had more than one, and some of that stemmed from this same incident. So a little background, the Oklahoma State Department of Health are the ones who conduct these surveys. Um, so for the past few months, they've been focusing solely on infection control because of the pandemic. So infection control essentially just means looking for errors that could lead to moral, more viral spread. So there were staff not wearing masks, uh, residents not wearing masks, Residents not social distancing, so congregating pretty closely to one another. Staff not wearing face shields and goggles in um, residents' rooms who were known to have COVID-19. You know, employees who were positive for the virus who were working with residents still. Uh, staff not sanitizing hands. Just a lot of infection control errors. I think, you know, on one hand, I mean, 
this is a once in a generation pandemic. We're all just, you know, trying to learn as we go and, and we're bound to, you know, hopefully get better each month as we learn more about precautions and addressing this. But there seem to be some pretty basic violations or incidents with some of these nursing homes. I mean, you found cases where uh, employees who had tested positive were were working at the facility still, right? Right. And that was one of the big criticisms that the advocates I spoke to had is that, you know, like you said, staff still working um, with residents while they're positive for COVID-19. One of those cases happened in late June. So, you know, several months into the pandemic and the advocate I spoke to said, you know, by then she, she acknowledged that, you know, people make mistakes. This virus can be very tricky in the way that it presents. But by June, they should have been more competent and known better that that could lead to more viral spread. And, you know, she was also very critical of we went over a couple of inspection reports together and she was she was pretty critical about, you know, a lot of these homes had pretty basic violations under CDC guidelines for nursing homes. Um, And she also she disagreed with the inspector's assessment on how serious uh, those violations should be considered. Yeah. And I want to talk about the the inspectors and, and their response and stuff, but mm-hmm. the, the stick with some of these uh, these cases of employees with, with, with positive tests is still working. So one of the facilities you wrote about was the mansion at, at Waterford. It's a assisted living facility here in Oakland City. Um, you know, two residents have died, more than 20 have been affected. Um, you, you, you mentioned June, you know, state inspectors visited that facility and found two COVID um, positive medication aids uh, on, on June 1. And one provider would return to work two days after receiving a positive test. Another worked on the same the shift the same day they received a positive test. And what was really, you know, that just seemed so alarming. Mm-hmm. Um, but you wrote that an employee at the facility told inspectors they were aware infected staff were were not supposed to return to work, but they didn't they didn't think it led to that there was anything more than minimal harm to residents, or they didn't have the potential for more than minimal harm to residents. I mean, right. it's just such a misguided, I mean, we know that. I mean, we know the basics mm-hmm. of if someone has a positive test, they should stay away. <laughs> right. That we know. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the reasons I wish some of these surveys were a little bit more detailed. Um, so the, I think it was the director of nursing, you know, told inspectors that they are aware and that these both these staff members who were positive had been tested twice in pretty close, um, I guess, proximity to each other, um, and they returned back to work. And we, I've seen in inspection reports other facilities having trouble with keeping staff, you know, adequately staffing the facilities. And I don't know if that played a role here, um, because, like I said, the inspection report wasn't super detailed but um I, I do wonder if that played a role in some of these cases and going back to you know none of the violations I saw which I think this is significant none of them inspectors um determined reached past the level of more than the potential for minimal harm for residents so none of these violations were really considered serious and that's another big criticism that advocates had was, you know, there has been no monetary penalties issued by the health department and none of these violations have been considered really serious or, you know, I guess something that could really bring harm to residents. 
So how did the Department of Health justify that stance that the, none of these violations rose to you know, a severe level? Yeah, that, that's a good question. So I spoke to um, the one of the deputy commissioners over at the health department. And, you know, I will say a lot, you know, some of the advocates, some of the experts I talked to on the nursing home side, you know, they wanted to point out that having the virus in a facility doesn't necessarily mean that um, they did something wrong. You know, there's a lot of nursing homes that didn't have violations. Some nursing homes, a few, were actually set up just to receive COVID-19 patients from, you know, other hospitals, other facilities. So I think that's important to keep in mind. Um, but the health department, you know, especially early on, I talked to nursing homes who said they didn't have enough protective gear, like masks, gloves, gowns in their facilities. You know, they were having trouble getting testing. Like I think most of people in the state were. So there were staff getting in or I guess staff bringing the virus into the facility um, and they didn't know they had it because they didn't have any symptoms. So the way the health department explained it um, when I asked about, you know, criticisms coming from advocates that there weren't more violations because there's COVID-19 has hit so many nursing homes and so many of them don't have violations. Um, But they essentially said that you know, this is a new experience for everyone. It's been really challenging. They they did issue violations, but they didn't want the inspections just to be a, a quote punitive engagement. They they wanted you know when these facilities were letting them into you know the facility, they they wanted to find ways that they could collaborate with you know nursing homes to hopefully keep the virus out. So, you know, collaborating on things like giving them protective equipment, giving them guidance on how they can do better and, you know, offering sanitation, uh, testing resources. So they were also coming at it from the angle that they wanted to help. And as you say, I mean, the, the presence of, of COVID-19 in a facility does not necessarily indicate that a, a nursing home facility you know, wasn't following the rules and guidelines and wasn't doing everything that they could mm-hmm. to to prevent uh, infections. I mean, you wrote about um, Ignite Medical Resort in Oklahoma City where a nursing home that had, you know, 90 infections and, and 11 deaths. And um, you said inspectors paid, I think you said five visits to the facility uh, since mm-hmm. March. They didn't find any deficiencies. They said, you know, that, uh, that staff were, were wearing surgical masks and the proper protective gear and that they seemed to be doing everything that they were supposed to do. Um, now, one of the reasons they went to that facility was because they received a complaint. So mm-hmm. um, I guess we can't say for sure that they have always been following the rules, but that's what inspectors found to be the case when they went. Um, yet this is a facility that was still hit pretty hard by the virus. Right, exactly. I think one of the important things to keep in mind about these inspections is they can only cite the facilities for what they see while they're there. So. And I'm not saying that, it, you know, there were any violations, but just as a whole, um, you know, inspectors, a lot of times they're there for a day. Uh, in some cases, they might come back for two days for um, to do their surveys. So Ignite, you know, I mentioned earlier that some facilities were set up solely to accept COVID-19 patients. They are actually one of those facilities. So, you know, uh, the I think it was the CEO, he told me that they had accepted dozens of COVID-19 patients from hospitals 
in the Oklahoma City area. And they're, you know, they went out of their way to accept COVID-19 patients because they were set up for it. So I think that's important. And they, they did receive some kind of complaint that they weren't following infection uh, control measures. But again, no, no violations there. Yeah. So what is the what is the reality for for nursing home and nursing homes in these these care facilities right now? I mean, um, they you reported that they've accounted for about 40 percent of the deaths mm-hmm. in, in Oklahoma, which is comparable to the national trend. You know, we've seen a spike in cases over the last few weeks. It seems like it may be dipping a little bit, but it's still pretty high compared to where we were a couple months ago. Um, what is what is the reality like for for nursing home and long care facilities right now? Yeah, I think the reality is, is they're going to be dealing with this virus for a long time, you know, months, maybe, you know, I don't want to say years, but maybe at least a year out from now, if not longer, dealing with, you know, trying to screen people before they come in, um, keep PPE stocked, do regular testing. And I know that's something nursing homes are doing now is that rapid antigen testing to try to keep, you know, a closer eye on who's getting sick. So I think, you know, especially, uh, you know, we've been seeing the state reopen, businesses reopen, things kind of, I don't want to say going back to normal, but getting closer to normal, that that's not going to happen in these nursing homes and assisted living centers for a long time. And even though, you know, this population might be one of the first populations to get a vaccine, uh, that's, if we do see a vaccine in the next few months, um, probably won't see it until spring, but I won't uh, get off on that too much, uh, that, you know, even with a vaccine, it's it's going to take a long time for them to get back to any kind of normal. I think they're going to be hunkered down for quite a while. Um, and unfortunately, we're probably going to see more cases and deaths in those facilities because the populations are so vulnerable. Yeah, you're right. I mean, when we do return to normal, whatever that looks like, uh, I would imagine the nursing homes and just the healthcare centers in general are probably going to be the places where we continue to see the the lingering effects, or at least mm-hmm. where the posture is still on high alert for the pandemic, even if we don't see that so much in our, our day-to-day lives, you know, here here at some point in the future. Well, we're, we're recording this podcast on Friday morning. I don't believe the state has reported its latest numbers for Friday. So knowing that we're kind of a day behind here. Um, mm-hmm. What is the, the current state of, of COVID right now in, in Oklahoma? Yeah, so um, I'll try not to focus too much on cumulative cases, uh, but real quick, there's been more than 88,000. Um, there hasn't been an update as of Friday morning, so we're still looking at Thursday's numbers. Uh, we surpassed 1,000 COVID-19 deaths over the weekend, uh, last weekend, and we're still averaging, if you're looking at the seven-day moving average, we're averaging around 1,000 cases a day. So, you know, that's so much higher than earlier on into the pandemic, and earlier on, it would have looked unimaginable to see this many new cases a day, but the state's been reopening, uh, schools are back in session, so The epidemiologist I talked to right before semester started, they expected this kind of spike. So I I think we'll continue to see cases probably hang around a thousand a day for a while, if not more. Yeah. And you're right. We're we're seeing more schools uh, move towards opening. Uh, I know Oklahoma City is tentatively in the 
in the process of preparing for a November 9th, I believe, return, at least on an AB schedule. So you take the, the state's largest traditional school system reopening, and, and, and I would imagine Tulsa might be somewhere around the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's obviously going to have an impact because we've seen those schools open, uh, even small rural schools that has led, led to some, some outbreaks. Um, it also seems like we've just kind of maybe entered a new phase of this. I mean, the, it was reported last night that President Trump and it, and his wife tested positive for COVID-19. I guess in the grand scheme of things, it's just two more positive cases. Mm-hmm. And so many people are getting it that I guess it's on one hand, it maybe it shouldn't be that surprising that a president who, even if he takes precautions, is traveling all over the country and, and interacting with people tested positive. But it still seemed to be kind of a sobering uh, mark in this when the uh, when 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 the nation's leader has uh, has now contracted the virus. Right. And that's that's always alarming. And um, I think last I saw uh, the Associated Press was reporting that he had mild symptoms, which is good news. Um, But, you know, people have also been pointing out that he's in a higher risk group because of his age. Um, And, you know, Governor Stitt got the virus a few months back. So I think, you know, it goes back to that reality that a lot of us are going to get the virus. You know, um, it's not surprising that the president and the first lady would get the virus considering uh, their, you know, their schedules. Yeah, and you're, and you're right. Governor Stitt was the first governor to um, report that he had tested positive. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was kind of surprised it took that long for a governor to I was track too. the virus. So, so who knows? It wouldn't <laughs> surprise too. me if there's a governor out there who maybe didn't say. Well, hey, Cassie, thanks for the time today. People can find that story at uh, readfrontier.org. Um, headline state sites 45 long-term care facilities for violations during pandemic uh good reporting and uh, thanks again for your time today thanks ben